You're listening to BizCraft, a live podcast about the business of web design with Carl the Jellyfish King Smith and Mean Gene Crawford. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of BizCraft. I'm Gene, and with me is Carl. Hey there, it's Carl. It's Christmas time, Gene. It is. It's Christmas, though most people probably listen to this after Christmas. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. Just just remember that Christmas has not happened in this time continuum that we're currently in. Do you know what? You enjoyed Christmas, and now you're listening to this. Just imagine it's Christmas again, okay? Yeah. Give us a break. We're doing what we can. Yeah. Gene, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go off on the <laughs> listeners. They just sometimes, you know, I just want to call each one of them out by name. Sometimes you have to. It doesn't take that long. Sometimes you have to. What are we doing today, Gene? What well, are we doing on this special Christmas edition <laughs> of BizCraft? Oh, man. Were we supposed to make it special? I heard Santa Claus is coming by the show today. He is. You he might, is? You guys might not see him, but he will be somewhere. That's cool. So we, uh, I don't know about a special edition, but we got a um, a question. Oh, my God. Somebody we got sent a question? a question. Yeah. That's cool. This isn't like one of those things where we say somebody sent a question, but we made it up ourselves just to make it work. No, this time it's real. Okay. All right. I'm in. I'm in. Can you believe me? <laughs> I do believe you because you forwarded the email to me because you were worried that I wouldn't read it, but I did. <laughs> I'm glad you read it. Oh, man. Um, well, it's let's start off with that because I think it's a it's a decent framework for an episode. So, um, and, and it's proof that somebody listened. <laughs> yeah, at least one listener. We um, so we're gonna try to answer his question, and then uh, there's some relevant uh, articles and things that we dug up that I think kind of relate and might be fun. So we'll see how it goes. So uh, I'll, I'll dig into it here. Um, let's see. This is from Harry O'Connor, posting on the. The blog post from our last episode. I'm getting to where I can read it here. It's pretty long, but uh, I'll just try to get to the gist of it here. Um, all right, so first, his, he's got two questions. First, his, his question is about price. He says he runs his business in a small city and are competitively priced, and he feels like he's charging less than what he's worth. Um He's citing an older episode where we said that if we could go back in time, we would definitely charge more um, initially than we historically started out with, um, and we specifically said $100 an hour. That was it. It was easy to calculate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. 100 bucks. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. We need 12 hours? Yeah. Uh, 1200 bucks. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So he's saying he's in the UK and that, uh, that, that even $100 an hour US is significantly more than what he charges in his area. And, um, the, the, you know, just generally geographically, I guess, where he's at, there's not a lot of high-paying web jobs. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So that's so, question number one. You so want... he should move. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's it. Okay, next. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Okay, that's not the answer. Mm-mm. So what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Why, what? <laughs> Gene, I'm trying to be serious. Oh, man. This episode is not going to work. 
Well, this episode is perfect for Christmas. Everybody's drunk anyway. It is. I'm drunk. Um, anyway, hundred bucks an hour is too much. He he doesn't feel like he can charge that much. He's he also doesn't feel like he's charging enough. Hmm. We don't know what he's charging though. Nope. 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 But a hundred dollars is more than what he charges. Okay. And it sounds like there's not a lot of value seen, right? Because I'm pretty yeah. sure he said there's not a lot of value seen. Yeah. Pretty much. So how do well, you? I mean, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with? How did you deal with? Uh, at first, being local, and in like growing beyond that, because I think that's really where you've got to go with this. Um, and, and Harry, I don't know if it's really a web design business or a print business or a sort of a mixture, right? So that's where we're coming from. We don't really know specifically um, what you do day in and day out. No, what, what? we we don't, Gene. We don't know this guy at all. No. But I care about him because he actually wrote into the show. It means he listened. So, okay, so a hundred bucks is too much. Uh, and you, Gene, you asked like how I got through it. How at Engine we got yeah. over the hundred dollar an hour mark. Yeah, it was pretty tough. We just started charging more, and nobody seemed to care. Right. Um, but we eased into it. Like we went from a hundred to one hundred fifteen, then one hundred twenty-five, and I don't remember really, but probably around one hundred and fifty people started pushing back. But then the other thing was we got out of our own market because right. what, what I realized was we were expensive in Jacksonville, which is, you know, I love my city, but we're a second tier city. Yep. Um, so we started just marketing ourselves in Chicago and New York and California and, you know, just different areas. And uh, we started getting leads. You know, I mean, that was the thing. Also, you know, we, we were priced competitively in those markets even though we were expensive in Jack's. But once we started getting work out of, say, Boston, and then we started promoting the work from Boston, people in Jacksonville were like, well, they work with people outside of Jacksonville. We should pay more and work with them. Yeah. But I think the big thing is you got to get over your own fear or you're never going to be able to get anybody else to pay you. If you don't think you're worth it yourself – oh, excuse me. I just made a noise. Um, <laughs> no, nobody is going to think you're worth it. You have to love yourself first, Gene. <laughs> and then other people will love you. You have to value yourself first and then other people will value you. Yeah. So if it, the other thing I would say is, you know, what is it that you're the most passionate about when it comes to building stuff on the web? Because if you're just trying to be a design business and that's just kind of like, that's what you saw other people doing and you figured you could do it and that's how you can pay your mortgage. Um, I don't think that's the way that you get over a hundred bucks. I think you find, Whatever it is that you think you can be the best at, even if it's just in your market, and you focus on that. And if nobody will pay you to do it at first, you build it for yourself and put it out there. Mm-hmm. And then eventually people will show up. I mean, we, we used to do that as promotional stuff all the time. Just build something that we thought would be cool and then promote it. And sadly, nobody could ever afford what it would really cost to do the stuff we thought was cool. Uh, but it did give us a higher level of value. I mean, people thought we knew how to do stuff, which we did. What about you? How, how did you get over that with period three? Well, we just, um, I mean, we slowly raised our rates, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, is it's not, we're not dogmatic about our rates. We don't, I don't actually, and you know, some of our clients know this, but I don't, we don't actually charge all of our clients the same amount. Um, we don't do necessarily hourly pricing either. Mm-hmm. So when we use our rate, we use it to, um, just generally determine what something's going to cost. 
right? I, I'm, in, I know there's several different uh, people that argue different angles of this and everything. Um, what? Yeah. No. Nah, not in this. No. Area. Never. But I, I use it. I, I'm a firm believer. Not, I'm not going to say like value pricing to give it a title because it's not the same every time. But I'm a firm believer in that whenever I'm talking with a client for the first time or we're talking about a new project or an idea or whatever, there is a certain amount that they're either willing to spend or that they can spend. Right? <laughs> and we have to figure out what that is. Right. And I know I've been doing this for a long time. So, you know, and I'm not always the best at it. I still kind of come under a lot, but like, you can kind of start to guess from your gut about what something's going to cost, like what they're going to spend money on. You can tell the difference between someone who's going to spend five grand on a website versus like 40, you know, there's a big difference in the way they talk about things. And there's a big difference in the way they're planning for things and when they're calling you in and who's in the room and all that stuff. And you, you can, you know, it sounds like Harry's been in business for, he's saying running, they've been running for over a decade. I mean, you've got experience talking to people, um, you know when something's going to be, somebody's going to be a cheapskate or not. I mean, I've always been, I've been fooled a time or two, right? That's always going to happen. You always have some jackass who calls you in a meeting and talks big and then doesn't deliver, you know, on actually making a project. But that's kind of how I do it. And then I use the rate to sort of like as a reality check, right? I know what our costs are and I know what if I were just charging hourly for like maintenance or, you know, some kind of one-off fix or something like that, then maybe we do it hourly, right? We've done that before. I use that to sort of gauge, okay, so this thing's, you know, 180 hours where, you know, 130 an hour or whatever. Here's about where it should be. And then you kind of give more, give less. Like I, we've done, recently done a couple where we're like, okay, if we just look at the hours alone, what we estimate, well, shit, we could probably get another five grand from them. So we just had another five grand. You know what I mean? And I don't, I never feel the need to like validate. I don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> you were just randomly throwing $5,000 on something. <laughs> yeah, you know. What is this, a profit deal? Mm-hmm. But I never feel the need to validate like, well, why are you doing that? Like, because I'm never going to sit down and discuss hours <laughs> with someone. I just had this vision of you meeting with the client and saying, and, the, and there it is. But you know what? I'm going to put another $5,000 on top of it. <laughs> right. I'm not even going to validate it. Right. What do you think about that prospect? Yeah. <laughs> I think you'd win a lot of business that way. I think you do. That's prob- <laughs> That might be our problem. Can you explain that $5,000 to me? Nope. I <laughs> <laughs> can't do it. But let me let me ask you that, though. Have you, have you ever had a, a, a company or a client or whatever at that stage sit down and say, I need you to validate this price versus every hour you're going to spend on whatever piece of this project. Yeah. Have you had that? I have. Holy shit. Who was that? Chase. Well, (laughs) (laughs) what? (laughs) Okay. No, the biggest bank in the world. No, 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 where their money was going. Let's remove banks and credit card companies. Okay. Well, all we've, all we've got left is putt putt. (laughs) Um, (laughs) <laughs> but Chase, but it was great because when they said it, I said, no, I said, no, I can't. Yeah, really? You know, this feels right. This feels like the right number, but there's uh, so many companies like us out there. And if you want to hire one of them, go hire one of them. Right. But if you want to hire us, this is what it's going to cost. That's a good answer. And you know what they said? Okay. Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> yeah, the one thing, if you're dealing with a big, rich client, <laughs> oh, it's so nice not to be 
worried about having to get business in the design space anymore. If you're ever worried yeah. <laughs> and you've got a big, rich client, there's one thing I can tell you they are more than cheap, and that is lazy. Yes. Oh, my God. And if you tell them they're going to have to start this process over and get buy-in over – because you, if, yeah. by the time you're sitting with them and you're talking costs, they've already gotten you approved up the ladder. Oh, yeah. You're done. Yep. And so now it's like, oh, I really don't want to deal with this. And, <laughs> you know, Nancy's going to come down on me because I told her that we had this. And So if it's a small amount. But I also think there are times where you have to establish the value for you. So, Harry, when you're looking at this, it's not just about what do I think they will pay, although that's a very important question. It's also what do I want to get out of this? And, uh, and Dan Mall talks about this, right? Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen Dan speak um, – and, and his stuff is almost always on value pricing. And I work for Dan. And so Dan's got a book coming out yeah, on pricing. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be pretty amazing. And he'll be at Owner Summit. That's February 8th and 9th in Atlanta. Ooh. Um, <laughs> and he's going to be talking about pricing. So, no, well, he's going to be talking about collaboration, actually. Right. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, but when you start thinking about what is it you need to get, this is part of the value proposition for you. So, uh, for example, right? When I'm looking at a project and if I know that, say, it's with Chase and we don't want more of that type of work, <laughs> you know, we want more fun work. We want a video game company or we want this or that. Okay, so the value of doing this work isn't necessarily there. So I have to get more cash right? because when I present this work, if I ever put it out in public – then it's going to get me more of this type of work, but it's not the direction of the company. So you, you really have to slow down and look and say, where am I taking my company? And is this a client that's going to get us there? Right. And if it is, well, maybe you don't charge as much because the value is you're going to be able to use that to move forward. If, if it's a company that you know is not going to get you closer to your goal, then you better get paid. Right. Because the only thing <laughs> yeah. you're going to walk away with is, money. is the money. Yep. You're not going to promote it, um, and if they promote you, it's going to get you more work that you don't want. Yeah. So, and some people say, "Well, don't take the client that you don't want." You know what? Well, people have to pay their bills. Yeah. Sometimes you got to just take whatever. It's easy when you're sitting on a pile of cash to tell people what not to do, uh-huh. but when you're trying to get that pile of cash, it's a lot more work. Yep. Yep. You got to be a little more real about it. But yeah, you're right about about how you're going to use the work and. Make sure you get what you want out of it and stuff. But that's it's also important to take the time to think about that stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, if you haven't done that, stop worrying about clients for a day and then go, like, do that because the super And important. this is the time to do it. The final two it, weeks of the year. It this is. This is when every entrepreneur, I don't, I don't care where he or she went to school or this or that or whatever your personal beliefs are in business, these two weeks is when we all have the idea that's going to make ne- next year so much better. Oh, yeah. That's when it works. I figured it out. Yeah, right before January first. <laughs> not in no, not in November, not in June, but right before February first, January first. I figured it out. Yeah, I got I got it. I figured out what we're doing wrong. <laughs> we got a whole new suite of products and services to sell. You know, you know, one of the things we decided to do in in our office, we decided to start drinking in the office. Okay, and here's the deal, because. You know, now we work in, in the co-work that we started and stuff, and, and it's downtown and, you know, in the middle of the city and stuff. We were working from home for a while, and it wasn't until, like, three weeks, two or three weeks before we were going to move into the co-work that we decided to, like, start taking turns and work at each other's house. So we'd all get together at somebody's house, and then we would grill out for lunch. And we were like, son of a bitch, we should have been doing this for the past That's three amazing. years. 
It was like that's amazing. Gene. Why have we not been doing this? And so we decided we need to start drinking at work because I don't want this to be I mean, like. How is drinking at work the same as grilling out at lunch? Think about You've it. You've made a leap here. Think about it. Do you it, drink while you grill out? It, yes. Uh, that must be a South Carolina thing. So if really, so <laughs> so I don't want it to be like, oh hey, we're all going to now work from home or whatever, and we have not explored whether drinking at work is an option until like it's too late, and then we're like, damn, we're doing it again. We're kicking ourselves in the butt. We should have done this earlier. So now we're just going to drink at work. Okay, but you're not you're not grilling out. We can't grill out at, at SoCo. Dude, go back to work from each other's houses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounded amazing. It's pretty smart. I'm going to tell Hoy about it. I'm going to be like, all right, I'm in Florida and you're in Pennsylvania, but we can make this work. Yes, it's a good idea. Anyway, so that will definitely increase your bottom line or your happiness. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's steak at lunch at home. That's super, <laughs> super brilliant. I like it. Yes. I like it. You might want to install a... You know, a, a running desk or something also if you're going to be drinking all day. <laughs> all right. So here's the second part of his question. We, we may have kind of tapped into this a little bit. You were talking about some of this. But all right. So secondly, this is what Harry wrote. Can we just circle back? Did we oh, answer Harry's question? I don't know. He'll let us know, I'm sure. Um, all right. So secondly, how does a small business make the leap into finding dream clients? This isn't Silicon Valley, where he works, I guess. So what can we do to network with exciting businesses we would like to work with that are not geographically close? So you kind of started talking about that. I mean, you said move, but I don't know if that's necessarily <laughs> I never moved. And, and Jacksonville, Florida is definitely one of those markets yeah. that people raise their eye at. Not their eye, their eyebrow. Yeah. Ra- raising your eye, that would be disgusting. <laughs> yeah, you don't... raised an eye at me. <laughs> yeah, so I'll tell you what we did. I mean, it was it was pretty simple. We just started contacting the companies we wanted to work with. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we'd find them different ways. But how did you how did you contact? How did you do that? Well, I, honestly, we sent out a whole lot of direct mail. Okay, you did direct mail. We did. I uh, I basically went and got Dun and Bradstreet's uh, business okay. directory, and um, would cross reference the the correct person title wise with whoever we found on the website. Okay. And half the time you could guess their email address. And if not, we would just send a letter. Okay. And, uh, and would basically just say, hey, we, you know, we're a web shop. We do this stuff. We love your product. If you guys are ever looking for anything, we'd love to be considered. And we'd shoot it over. And I mean, we probably got four out of 100 that would respond. I mean, and we did this quite a lot for, for the better part of a whole year. Oh yeah, and uh, I mean, we had to have sent out four or five thousand pieces of mail. Whew. Yeah, but we but we would just do it every week. We'd send out a couple hundred, you know, and uh, and we landed um, Bear Pharmaceutical that way. Well, that's worth it. Yeah, we uh, yeah. When you start looking at a thirty-two cent stamp, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of ways. You know, the other thing is, you get out there and you start writing, and you include something about that company and what you're writing. Right. But you have to mean it. You can't fake it. You know, you have to you have to mean whatever you're doing. You look at 37 Signals and they started doing the, you know, mm-hmm. redesigning FedEx or redesigning that. I think that kind of stuff's valid. Um, probably the biggest thing we did, though, was all the animation we did early on. Um, okay. Okay. We do a ton of animated cards and uh, we would send those out to everybody we had on our list, which was a few thousand people. 
And people just started knowing us as the innovative creative company because we were doing so much flash stuff at the time. Right, right. So I, I think you have to do a lot of stuff that you really like and get it out in front of people. And when you have the opportunity, you've got to contact the people you want to work with. Right. And don't be discouraged. You're going to have to keep trying. You know? So I'm writing in what the about, notes. What about you? Writing in the notes. Sales, man. Sales, baby. Yeah. You've got to sell shit. We've never landed a dream client. Mm. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not. All of your current clients just started weeping <laughs> quietly. <laughs> no, we have, we, have, we have awesome clients. Did you hear what they said? We have awesome clients. I never really, um, you know, there was a while back, uh, 2005 maybe, I'm trying to remember. We hired someone to be like a um, business development person, right? <sighs> and they wound up, they wound up um, basically doing marketing and stuff, like writing press releases and marketing and stuff, which I suppose was um, ultimately helpful in the grand scheme of, you know, everything we did. It wasn't exactly what. I was looking for, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I suppose what I was looking for was just some outright sales, right? Um, like cold calling crap. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not a salesperson, but we've never really, and by crap, I meant technique. <laughs> <laughs> I've never really concerned myself with like, I really want to work with Nike or whatever and like go after these guys. Um, Oh, come on. There's some, there's a company out there like that. You'd feel that way. about. There are absolutely. But I've never like, I've just, you know, 14 years of business, I've never, like, gone after someone like that. Um, yeah. It's just always, like, you know, we've just focused on doing good work, and then I will hear something about some project or someone will put out feelers or whatever. Somehow I'm just – I've focused on being in the community in terms of – I don't mean, like, the web design community. I mean, like, the community of, like, South Carolina. Like, I've just – I've, you know – rip the roads right i go down to charleston i go to greenville i'm in columbia i go to these things i'm not talking about like sales and marketing network meetings or whatever i'm talking about, talking about like, parties not necessarily well, yeah there you go wait does your wife listen <laughs> no just just things parties like, as in political parties yes um, yes yeah. just just um you know you, you just gotta go where people who might be looking for work for you to do work would be you know and i've just tried to do that and i've always just kind of heard things and and at that point, the sales start, right? I, I approach them. I talk to them about what we can do and, you know, try to generally do something helpful. Um, and sometimes that bites me in the butt. Like recently, we just we just did something for someone in town that we um, we gave them, you know, just two hours of – we just went in, talked with them, and then then it led to a project. It was a, a bit of a, a project, but it wasn't like the big one we were hoping to get, and they wound up giving the bigger project to somebody else. Um, Sorry about that. It was like board members or some shit. I don't know, but um, – it just didn't work out, and you know now I'm kind of like we should have never spent the three hours with them or two hours with them. But you know I still think it's worth it. Um, so that's just kind of been my approach. It's a little more haphazard, and I guess no, I don't think it's haphazard. I mean, the thing you have to do what you're comfortable with and what you're going to be able to commit to, mm-hmm. right? So for me, we would spend those Fridays just you know again there's a lot of alcohol in this episode. <laughs> we'd spend we'd spend those Fridays just drinking beer, watching movies, and stuffing envelopes, right? You know, I mean, and, and it was fun. It, we actually, we enjoyed it. And from time to time, somebody would respond and we would be like, holy shit, it works. And it's just like playing golf. You're horrible at it. Then you hit that yeah. one shot, you know? Yeah. You're stuffing all these envelopes and then suddenly somebody calls with a, a decent sized project. You know, And just real quick back to Harry's first question. I was just thinking about this. You know, nobody asks clients their budgets. And that's because we all tell you that they won't tell what the budget is. 
But to your point, Gene, they know what they don't have. Yeah. And I share this tip all the time and I'm always amazed that nobody really does this. But they can always tell you how much money they don't have. Right. And if you're talking to a client and you say, well, how much money are you looking to invest in this? And they're like, well, I don't know. We need you to tell us. And then you say, well, I mean, for a lot of clients, we've invested up to $7,500,000 on something like this. They'll mm-hmm. go, well, we can't spend over thirty five grand. They don't even know they did it. <laughs> exactly. It just, it just comes out. Exactly. And you're like, oh, so 35000 is like the top out? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, and dude. Like, oh, let's keep going. Okay, thank you. Yeah. But that works almost every time. And then mag- magically your proposal comes in at $35,000. Yeah. And then, and then the other thing – now, that's not true. It's always over. <laughs> it's always, it's always over. over. <laughs> um, but then the other thing – and, and I, I'll give Klaus Heesch uh, from Juicy Temples credit for this. I think Juicy Temples is closed now. Klaus is doing other stuff. But, uh, but he used to just show previous projects – Mm-hmm. And just say, if you want something like this, this costs fifteen grand. If you want something like this, this costs thirty grand. If you want something like this, this is only five grand. Yeah, that's I've done that. I do that. But a he lot. didn't have to estimate. He yep. didn't waste time. Yep. The client was able to see something tangible. Mm-hmm. So, so just to say, there are techniques around that as well. Um, and I tell you, some for some people, a dream client is the one that tells you their budget and they're nice to work with. Yeah. So, so defining dream dream client is kind of funny too, right? For that's me, right. I think right. about. The work that I'd be proud to say, you know, like I love saying we worked with Epic Games forever. I never said that we just did crappy, crappy corporate stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right. I never right. said that. Or, hey, we occasionally moved around somebody else's amazing graphics. Right. Um, I mean, I tell so, you, yeah. right now, our favorite client to work with, I would, it would, I would classify as our dream client. He's a, he's a small business. He's got a product that we've developed from the ground up and we're just – Supporting it and expanding it now. He doesn't spend a ton of money with us every month, but he's he's great to work with, man. He takes he's taking yeah. the team out for hamburgers again. You know, like he pays on time. He doesn't complain when we when we say, "Man, you want to do this, but it's going to be this much." He's not like, "Well, you know, screw you. You did it last time." For him, he's like, "Okay, this is what I can work with." I mean, yeah, that is awesome. You know, when well, I mean? that's a culture client, right? So yeah, that that's man. a client that's a client who makes everybody feel happy to be there that day. Yep. And and maybe that's a dream client too. I mean, this is just a weird term, it dream is. client. It is. It is. You know, but it's one we all talk about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, another thing. Um, I know a shop that has been very successful in this, and some people will roll their eyes and go, "Oh my God, they're working on spec." No, it's not spec at all. What they do is they find a client they want to work with, and without the client asking, they redesign something that they think could be better. Mm-hmm. It could be an interface. It could be a prototype. It could be whatever. And then they take it. You know, They find a way to get it to somebody who can get it to a decision maker. And they win that work. Right. You know? And a lot of times they don't. But you know what? They've still got something they can show people privately. So like to me, that's the best. Is like You're not just making something to show somebody what you can do. You're making it with the proper branding so you can take it to that company <laughs> right. and say, hey – your product's kind of cool, but it's a little shitty to work with. So <laughs> we've made it less shitty. Right, right. What do you think about this? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, they're always insecure, right? Mm-hmm. Clients are as insecure as shops are. So if you take them something and, and share it with them, and they're like, oh, we're worried about this, you know, even if, even if your solution isn't the right one, you at least address that they had a problem and you were honest with them. Yeah. Right. Before you had any, you know, relationship at all. I actually like that tactic 
I know a lot of people think that it's working for free, but what is new business? You're, you're working without getting paid and then you can roll those costs in, you know? Yeah. I, yes, you can. I mean, that, that's what you do with sales. I mean, you roll that, that time in. I mean, we actually have a, we were actually tweaking this for, you know, again, it's almost January 1st. So this is when you tweak all that stuff, but we work with a, um, a spreadsheet, like a Google sheet that we, uh, estimate hours on, on features, right? So what we'll do is like, well, you know, cause you, you have to consult a little bit to find out what the hell it is they want you to make. So that gets worked in later, but we'll just work down the features or, you know, maybe the feature is a page. I don't, I don't give a shit, but it's just like a feature list and we'll estimate the hours. But then we have like, I think we were talking about this the other day about QCAT. I was like, how do I work QCAT in? Cause it's something we want to do yep. in 2016. But it's like, we have a little multiplier. We have uh 10% for project management, you know, mm-hmm. 15% for sales. And then we just added 10% for QCAT. Those are just examples. I mean, it gets just using round numbers and stuff, but like, <laughs> And then you, you get that multiplier at the end of the – against each hour, and that gives you a – and we've been pretty damn spot on with it whenever we go and then, you know, try to find out how much a client has that they can spend or whatever that conversation winds up being. We've been pretty close using those multipliers. Um, so that's kind of how we look at, like, recouping some sales or some other part of getting a client that might not be directly, you know – correlating to you know i spent an hour designing this thing and then therefore an hour is 175 an hour or something you know good um, for you you raised your rate i'm happy for you <laughs> well not against every client so we do every once in a while you know it's funny to me is how many shops don't charge for project management yes yeah, weird isn't it well yeah I, I i was in this conversation recently and and somebody said well how do you justify charging for project management and i go well you I say it's project management i don't justify it i basically I I tell the client that, you know, and, and we were time and materials most of, most of the, the career. And uh, I would tell clients, I would like, it's really easy to determine if something's a billable hour. Would we be doing it if your project did not exist? Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Would we manage your project if it didn't exist? The answer is no. Therefore, it is yeah. a billable expense. Yeah. It's not that hard. Would we be learning to do this new technique or would we be learning Ember if your project did not exist? Yes. Okay, so we're not going to charge you for us learning something. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the implementation of it, well, yeah. no way we'd do it if you weren't here. And, and you know what? No client ever said, well, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and, and really very few. We, we rarely got into the we, – we were always a bottom line company. Yep. We would bill against it hourly. But there's always a budget. That's the other thing people get kind of wigged out about. And you know, maybe that's something for Harry too is stop thinking about it in terms of hourly cost. Just think about that bottom line. Right. You know? Yeah, you're I mean, your your monthly expenses are fixed. You know, you know what that is. And there's other value. You you can yeah. you can tell that client, hey, if you will promote my project, if you'll promote this project, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then that's valuable to me. Absolutely. If it's a testimonial or if you will contact 10 companies like yours right right and just tell them that you finished the site or give us credit when you do the press release yep you know you can negotiate a lot of a bunch things of stuff. there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff you can do like that that we used to do mm-hmm. and it works you know people want to know that somebody else tried you first yeah that's true yeah it's let me let me be a let me send people to you to tell them how awesome i am you know whatever pretty much yeah man um, and half the time they say we'll do that but can you write it and you're like oh yeah 
<laughs> yeah. I can write that. We already wrote it. <laughs> it says here we paid you 150000 We only paid you 7500 Yeah. Yeah, I wrote that. Yeah, you're contractually let's, obligated to read it. Let's go with it. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's how that works. Well, I hope we've answered um, enough of Harry's question. I think so, and, and that was roughly 30 minutes, so... Yeah. Between the two of us, Harry, you owe us about $8,000. <laughs> yes. I will send you the PayPal link where you can pay us. Prefer a certified check or money order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I found, a, I found an article um, that I wanted to make sure we got on the show. Um, okay. This one or a future one. But I think it's particularly fitting to fit on this show um, because it kind of goes hand in hand with Harry's question. So it's a Medium article. Of course, I don't know what the hell you'd be reading if you're not reading an article on Medium these days. But um, – Jobs aren't assets. Eight ways for creatives to make more money by a friend of ours, Austin Church. I think you know Austin, right? Austin L. Church. Austin L. Church. Yes. Oh, um, L. Yes, I do. L. Yes. I'm not. Is he still working with the with um John and Nate? Okay, I know. I we've met. I'm. We're not like talking weekly. Oh, okay. I, I don't know, Gene. Thanks. Thanks for outing me, man. You're welcome. All right. He's anyway. A cool dude. Yeah, yeah. So we'll link it up so you can follow it. But um. It's an interesting uh, way to look at, um, you know, your creative agency, a web design agency or something, and not looking at uh, a project that you do as a job, right? As a, just a straight trade for money, hourly trade for money. But he's, he's telling you to look at everything as an asset, um, which I think is, is fairly – it's a fairly interesting way to look at this. Um, and I think that's valid. I, yeah. There's a lot of parts of this article. And I, I told you before we got started, I was like, you know, I kind of want to tear this thing apart. Um, <laughs> because I'm back to feeling like I know everything there is to know in the world. Well, um, yeah. But I do agree. That, thinking about that, thinking about things as assets, thinking about the time you put in as life energy, thinking about how can you make money and help other people without working. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what he's getting at. That's the dream job, baby. <laughs> that is a dream client. Oh man, tell me how to do that. Well, let's just go down without he's, selling drugs. He's got he's got eight creative ways to make more money, right? So I, I feel like I feel like on one hand it's a it's a pretty good. We're just critiquing the article, I guess. But on one hand, I feel like it's a pretty good uh, framework for how to look at this stuff. On the other hand, it feels like one, like just a kind of a self help article or something. But um, and this I, was published just a few days ago. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty new. So I I just want to go through each one of the things and. Just see, you know, see your take on uh, some of these things. Um, so again, it's uh, eight creative ways to make more money. Number one on the list is hire subcontractors, and that is clearly something you've done over the yeah. years. Yeah, so I think it's how you, you can do anything in a very positive way, and you can do anything in a shitty way, right? And subcontractors, outsourcing, all of this kind of stuff. The idea, and he says talented creative professionals, right? So I think hiring people to help is what business is all about, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think maybe, and, and he says eight ways for creatives to make more money. I think he might mean freelancers, okay? right? Not necessarily businesses. Um, so I think hiring other people to help you is a good idea. Not only do you start to build a community, but you extend out your capabilities. Um, now, he does – where did he put it in here? You can find folks who will charge you only a small percentage of what you charge your clients. 
Yes. Okay. All right. That I start to look at a little bit because it's true. You want – in an hourly situation, the way you make more money is to have more hours. Mm-hmm. Right? And he hits on this number two in the higher employees part. Yep. Um, but what I would say is when you hire subcontractors, you have to realize you may not be their only project. And that means that you would better take care of them so they take care of you. Right. So I would just make sure that you're not trying to find cheap subcontractors Mm -hmm. because that is outsourcing. Right. That's where you're now taking the relationship with your client and selling it to the cheapest bidder. Yep. And he doesn't – he's not saying this. This is just kind of the way that I I took it. Um. But then he says, recruit some help and do quality control before sending stuff to your clients for review. That quality control could end up taking you as much time as doing it. And that would be my concern because I know when we had all of the subcontractors, the engineers working for us, mm-hmm. we knew them. We vetted them better than, <laughs> better than some people I trusted a lot more. We, uh, we basically made sure that they were great. Right. And we would ask them how much they wanted to make. And generally, they wanted to make, you know, it was always like 85 or 90 bucks an hour. But that was significantly under what we as a company were charging. So I'm not sure that you're going to find people significantly under if you're a freelancer as well that are really, really quality. Right. So, but I do agree on having that, that deep roster of people you can turn to. I just don't know that you're going to make a whole lot of money. On that, a small percentage of what you charge to me would be like thirty percent or fifty percent of what you charge. I think you're going to find people maybe you charge seventy five percent of what you charge. Yeah. So yeah. What about you on that one? The subcontractors. Um, you know, we're we're just now kind of starting to play with that uh, going into 2016. We um, we've never really done it. Um, I, I, well, that's a lie. I, I've done it quite a bit, but never as like a business tactic, right? Um, I don't think of it as a tactic. It's usually more of a like. How the hell are we going to get all this done? Oh, let's call our buddy Gray. You know, he can do this stuff. Um, so that's usually how we've 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 done it, and, it, and I've always had mixed results um, because it's never it's never what we would have done ourselves. It's it's always different, and you know you've got to be at a point where you can accept that it's different, right? Um, because well, well, yeah, because a subcontractor, unlike you, you got to live with the work. The subcontractor doesn't. Um, no. So you, you really, you know, the quality control thing is, it's not as much about quality control for me necessarily as it is just like, is this some solid work here? You know, like, well, yeah. are we going to be able to figure this shit out after they're gone? Because they're going to be gone, you know. Cause... And the deeper part is, is this person going to have contact with the client? Yeah. And then how does that work? And Because if not, you're not being transparent. Mm-hmm. Then this work is what you did. Exactly. And maybe that's, and what, it... maybe that's what I'm getting at. You put that a really good way. Yeah, and and if it is transparent, then you need to let the client know this is your friend who you're bringing on. You don't say it that way. But but see, I, I agree with you. You bring in the people that you know and trust. Mm-hmm. And I mean that would be that would be my one hit here. I, I think and hiring subcontractors, that's business, right? So yeah, and, and I think, you know, to to the point of the article, there's a lot of things that creatives, specifically freelancers, don't do that are just business. Yep. So, yep, yep, yep. But it kind of goes hand in hand with the higher employees part too. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, 
that's a fairly more it's more easy to do because it's just unlike a subcontractor it's like it's a project and you can just like no nah, we're not going to work together again or whatever but you hire an employee you, it's you know it's like getting married to a degree you kind of have to you got to commit to this thing you know like they're they're there for you you're there for them it's the long haul um so i've always looked at that kind of stuff as like a long-term thing you know like yeah we're gonna work with this person for the next 10 15 years you know um that's how I've looked at it. And and only because that's what, what I've done. I mean, I worked with the same people for, you know, going on 14 years. Um, except the ones that just left. Now, they just left. <laughs> <laughs> but that happens. And, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, they've gone on to do pretty cool things. Um, yeah. You know, and, and the thing I'd say about hiring employees, like you say hire subcontractors. You hire subcontractors when you have work, mm-hmm. right? Hire employees. Yeah, there you go. There's math behind this. You have to know a certain amount of work that you have yep. before you're bringing people in. And if you're bringing in people who aren't producers, that's a whole other thing. Like, yeah, I, I'll get this wrong and, and, I'll, and we, can, we can follow up on it if anybody pays attention and calls me out. But, but I think it's for like every three producers, you can have a non-producer. Right. So even in the example here where it says, you know, that uh, – you're going to hand something over. Well, he doesn't really say this, but but there's a client request and you're going to send it to somebody else. Well, somebody's going to have to help these producers that you're bringing in. And a lot of times that ends up being a non-producer. It could be you. It could be that now you're managing and you're not producing. So those production hours go away. And so that's why I would just say it's like you really have to understand the math behind it. I never did. Yeah, I still don't. And we got lucky a lot and – we got in trouble a lot because I was just flying by the seat of my pants. Had I known some of the stuff I know now, specifically from my friend Jody, right? Who uh, he's at Summit CPA and and he talks about this stuff. Um, it, you know, I would have been so much smarter. I, I would have still made a ton of mistakes. I just would have called Jody a lot and said, "What did I do wrong?" <laughs> and hopefully learn from it. Yeah. But so hire employees is, is smart, but it also has to be something you want because being an owner versus being a, a solo producer. It's totally different. These people yeah. are going to have problems. Their dog is going to get sick and they're not going to be able to make the deliverable. That's right. So so realize that. Yep. Yeah, it's always going to be something. Um, all right. So uh, increase your rate. I think we covered that. Um, I got no worries with that one. I yeah, like that yeah, one. Yeah, we, we covered that earlier anyway. So uh, teach what you know. I wanted to get to these. Some of these are pretty meaty. Um, teach what you know. I, I found that one interesting. Uh, let's see here. Create a paid access mastermind group, email newsletter membership. Uh, you know, sorry, Austin. I don't, I don't know. I don't know much about that one. Um, <laughs> I think teach what you know is amazingly valid. Yeah. And not just, and profitable and not just from a business perspective, but just from a life perspective, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if you, if you put out there, the stuff that you've learned, both good and bad, and help others, people want to repay. Yeah. They want to help, help you for what you did, right? They, they want to turn that favor. Yeah. Um, now, it's interesting because a lot of times these things don't work out. And, and this was one of the things when I looked at it. I love Nate and John and they're referenced here with Kicktastic. And I thought Kicktastic was a great idea. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how it worked or how it didn't work, but it's reviewed here. And I know Austin was part of that. But I don't think it's still active. Yeah, I don't think it is either. So I just I think when you're when you're writing something like this, it's nice to say, you know, this is how it ended up. This is what we did. 
um, we've moved on to other stuff now. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, when you look at it and see that, you know, I think it was a couple of years ago. 2013. Because um, I was on it. I loved it. But yeah, maybe, it they've, maybe they've still got people doing it. And I would just like to know. Yeah. Yeah, let you us know. know. Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't know that that's like an easy thing to do. I mean, and also like, you know, no offense to those guys, um, but like. It's work. Yeah, but even me, even like us, like we do this podcast, we do it for free. But like, who the hell are we to like, you know, when when I think of like, who am I going to give my money to to teach me about things? Like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know that I would personally pay for stuff like that. Even I think like it depends. Online it really code depends. schools and things like that. Yeah, it totally depends. I'm At just, the top of the heap is Gary V. Yeah, you know, and and he's giving it away for free. Yeah, he is. Like all of his stuff, but it, it comes back to him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at the bottom of the heap is us. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I'll say that because you say that we don't get paid for this, but you know what? I pay for this with my reputation. Yes, you do. Every time. I've taken yeah. a lot of hits on, for being on the show. Yeah, well, sorry about that. But I agree with Teach What You Know. Yeah. I just think for me, and this is the hippie side, I think you do it without the expectation of reward. Yeah. And, and good stuff's going to happen. And especially when you end up – Having somebody ask you to get up on stage or write a guest post or whatever because then you can share with new people. And really that expands out the number of people that you know. And over time, somebody wants to return the favor. Mm-hmm. So so I, I'm really, really down with this one. I would just really want to want to know with that example like how it went. That was yeah. my – Yeah, me too. I, I like that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm get, being such a jerk. Maybe we'll get him on the show and then talk about it. Um, I'd like that. That'd, that'd be awesome. Be cool. I like Austin. He's a good dude. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, all right. So the next one is it's very similar which is create products and services. Um, now, we could do an entire show. We only have about 15 minutes left here, but we could do an entire show about this. And I think we've touched on this a lot in that we've both tried to make products with our companies yeah. inside of a services company. And I got to tell you, I don't know that that's ever going to happen. Um, except when it works. Rare exceptions. When it works. And so, again, because of my you know, affiliation with Bureau Digital and all the owner camps. I've gotten to hang out with over, shoot, I guess over 160 owners of web shops now. Mm-hmm. And there are some that have side projects that really translated into something positive. Yeah. Now, if, if you look at Focus Lab in Savannah, mm-hmm. right, they've got this sidecar thing. That thing's going really well for them. They just partnered up with Envision on something I, I saw come through the Twitter stream the other well, day. That's cool. Yeah. And so th- they're, that's really good. And they're passionate about it. And they love it. And yeah. it's something they're going to do. Um, you look at Brian from Zurb, right? Right. And Zurb, he actually split into two separate companies because he knew they had to be separated. Because if you try to do it within a company, you get this cultural issues, all this crap happens. Because some people are like, why don't we get to work on the cool thing? Yeah. And then if the cool thing's not making money, they're like, why are we funding? Yeah, cool? exactly. So you, you have all of that. Um, but when it comes to services, like QCAT, Fringent, I mean, that's, that's kind of mm-hmm. a side service that's going to become the main focus now of Engine. Right. So I think it's always good to have different things you're working on. I wouldn't count on it to be a profit center. And He's saying that the side project turned into a quarter of a million dollars in sales. Now, I'm curious, is that sales for a service company or is that sales of the products? Um, because yeah, I I, I'm, I'm just really curious there. Because here's the thing. 
creating a product for those of us in the service space, creating a product's pretty simple. Actually getting anybody to use the damn thing. That's the hard we part. suck at that. Yeah. We're the worst at that. We <laughs> act like we know what we're doing. We don't know we shit. We do not. And the no. thing is, we don't like that stuff. Uh-uh. That involves talking to people and asking yeah. them for very small amounts of money. Yep. Not cool. Like two bucks. Yep. It's a, <laughs> so, lot, of, a lot of sales there. Yeah. But th- what about you on the create products or services? Ah, uh, dude, we failed miserably. We've tried two or three. We've talked about it before. I, I uh, no, I would not recommend that. I, I, in fact, I recently, I think we, last episode we talked a little bit about this company Crit. Um, it yeah, was, it was my recommendation to stop doing products and to go like services, and uh, they are having so much fun doing that. Um, it's like, I, I just you can't do both, man. You gotta do if you're gonna make a product, you gotta like. Just make a product, man, and focus on selling it and live off of it. And that's, I think that's the only way to go. Yeah. I've, I've just tried it too long. It's just too damn hard. Yeah. Shit, it's hard to do services and run an event company at the same time. I mean, as you know, <sighs> as you know, I mean, it's I know just, it now, it's I, but impossible. I don't have services now. So it's, yeah. yeah, even just the event company. Well, that's not fair because really, I, I'm not being fair to myself, Gene. No. Because I don't know what that sound was, but I loved it. Okay, that's my new ringtone. <laughs> um, but you know, it's I mean, we've got a community we're building over the bureau, so right. it's that in itself is a service. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's not all about the events. You've got to take care of the people that are that are trusting you. Absolutely. So, but but it's not the same as having a client call you on a Saturday. Nope, so, not at all. Yeah. What about uh, what's the next one here? Selling Sell retainers. We do a lot of that. I'm a big believer in it. Double thumbs up. Do it. Yeah. It's uh and I don't even know about selling retainers. I would say when it makes sense going with a retainer. That's how we worked with Epic Games. And man, it was nice to know that for a whole year that chunk of change was coming in monthly. You could make decisions, you could all kinds of stuff. It just it really did help you sleep at night. So yeah, I'm I I think that one's gold. I could not agree more. That is like the shit. Mm-hmm. If you can get them to do it, you can get them yeah. to do it. If they got enough work, they got the budget, fuck yes. All right, <laughs> all, right. all right. This is another one. Uh, negotiate equity stakes. And I actually want to do a whole episode on this with you. Um, oh, my God. Soon. I, because I, yeah. I really do. I really want to explore your opinions and stuff. So um, we'll, we'll let's shelve that for that episode, but quickly. Let's do it. Quickly, quickly. one thing. He says... You know, a friend couldn't afford to pay my full fee. Okay, so it was a friend for app development. So he negotiated equity stake in the app's revenues. She compensated me fairly this way. I was able to see estimate exciting part. What happened? You said she was able to compensate you fairly. I mean, did did you make money or not? Because here here's the thing to me. If I'm going in to work with a company and they're willing to offer me equity, not a friend. Okay, friend's totally different. So, so in his example, yeah. he's saying a friend, and that kind of that kind of shifts it. Yep. If somebody's willing to give me equity in their idea, I like if they say something like, "I'll give you ten percent." Well, then you don't think it's worth shit. Yeah, your company's not worth it because you you just met me. Yeah, and you want to give me ten percent of your great game changing idea, and and we just when you realize that such a small percentage of things really work. Yeah. Really take off. I mean, it, it is a lottery situation. Yes, it is. Um, unless you think there is something amazing for you in a promotional opportunity, if it's a space or an industry or a technology that you've really wanted to explore, 
you know, take it if you think it's going to give you something like that, yep. but don't expect money out of it. I don't think this is a way to grow your business at all. Um, I, I, this is a cash-based business, and the equity only works if it's already a running product. Like if, if it's a right, running product right, with right. a community and cash flow, and if they've got 3,000 people paying them monthly, and you say, yes, I'll take a percentage of equity, at least you know yeah. a baseline. But if it's a brand new thing, yeah, it's not going to work. It's going to take you away from paid opportunities. Yep. And how many things do you want to own? Completely agree. Yeah, so. Completely agree. Yeah. Um, all right. Sell other people's stuff. You mean like what? Their, their old couch or shit? <laughs> <laughs> hey, are, are, you, are you done with that tractor? <laughs> I want to sell it. Oh, man, I love it. Oh, man. No, I think he's talking about like affiliate sales. Is that because he said affiliate sales right there? Okay. Mm-hmm. He wrote affiliate sales. Yeah. No, no. I, I, I know what you're I wrote down in the notes as we were doing this. I wrote, I wrote meh, except for QCAT. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but I don't – see, I think there's a difference um, in something like that. So affiliate sales, uh-huh. ah, man, and there's some – there's a lot of people – there are people who do it and do it well, and I'm not. Ma- I made fun of it, but the reality is, I think some people know how to do this. Uh, Forty five Royale. Yeah, yeah. Those guys would build sites just for affiliate links. Yep. And I, I never checked with Adam, but they seem to really love it. Mm-hmm. And Austin here is saying that um, he was able to do an affiliate thing and made three grand in commissions from one product. Um. So, I mean, I guess, again, if it's a product that you like and you want to be associated with. Yep. And maybe I'm just old school and a little snobby, but I guess I would either want to know that you were doing that in a transparent way. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure. See, But I wouldn't want to have it on my site. Hey, try this. So so I guess I don't understand enough, but I, I will say this. There are people who do this extremely well. I'm just not one of them. Yeah. And so it may be that this is a perfectly awesome thing to do depending on who you are and the nature of your company. Mm-hmm. I've I've tried several uh, over the years. I've tried several like affiliate thingies through Unmatched Style and we, and you know, and a couple times we put we put effort behind it and tried to like really see where it would go and it never went anywhere. Like in Unmatched Style it's it's not like you know 18 million unique views of a week or something but i mean it's got legit traffic and it always has legit traffic and we never like we just never got the numbers i mean it's like for every you know hundred thousand views on an affiliate link or something you get one i mean it's just <laughs> like it's like wow we have to do like a hundred million uniques a month or something and i'm like this is not gonna work just take it off you know it was just never ever got there well see um, that's what i've always heard as well um it's kind of like but, Google ads. You really got to be pumping the traffic to make that shit. Well, and the, but then, you know, that example I was giving about 45 Royale, the site that they put up was like a, a men's style kind of site because mm-hmm. Matt and uh, Adam way into that stuff. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm obviously not. And, uh, and they built – it was kind of a magazine of yeah. really cool stuff on Amazon. 
so it was a cool way to kind of yeah. surf the the coolest watches and shoes and yep. neckties and that sort of stuff. And then if they went to Amazon from that, they'd get a little juice. Yeah, but that's but, a, that's a little bit different because those guys it's are totally like, different. They're creating content. They're they're curating something. Exactly. You, you no, there you go. You're you, they're they're making money from that curation process. You're yeah, absolutely yeah. right. They're I wasn't just, looking at it that way. You're absolutely not just right. Like, hey, here's a referral link. Buy some crap from you know whatever, <laughs> and give me five cents for every twenty bucks you make. I mean, that's you know. When I hear affiliate, that's what I think. I think like, you know, just selling some shit through an ad or whatever. Yeah. And it bums me out. So there you go. Yeah. But but like take QCAP, for example. Mm-hmm. Like that that's another, that's a way. I mean, I'm going to mark that up. Yep. You know, I'm going to make some money on that. That's the it's, point. It's going to make my end product better. Right. But but I wouldn't call that an affiliate thing. You know, that's just like. No. Uh, so QCAT's an ancillary service. For web shops, right? Yeah. It is if, – if you don't have somebody who is awesome at quality control, quality assurance, testing in general, mm-hmm. and if you charge more than 100 bucks an hour, why are you going to take that person out of the role of producing? Yeah, exactly. Or managing where you're charging 125 150 175 for them so for a lower, a lower cost thing when you can outsource it. And it is outsourcing. Yep. It's like, right? it's like we said at the beginning with the subcontractors. QCAT is more of a subcontractor for me than exactly. It's like subcontracting to a, a company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which, which is good. You're not going to lose there, because um, QCAT is awesome. I've used it. is is awesome, dude. I mean, Lori, Thanks. Lori kicks ass. Lori is the kicker of asses. Yes, I, I, I'm not saying this because you're my friend and we're on a podcast together, but but, <laughs> but guys, like QCAT works. It's good. It's caught a lot of shit that we didn't catch. Um, it's it's amazing. It, it's almost Lori was. Uh, proofing some bureau of digital stuff the other day and yeah she's in the slack channel we, we've got a qcat slack channel and that's the thing they'll work with you however you want yep. right it's like if you want them in slack if you want them in github if you want them in pivotal track or whatever you want whatever but uh <laughs> she replied back with this link that was like five scrolls deep and you're just like oh god yeah i know and it's it's little stuff well but... she found stuff in a pdf <laughs> that we put on a linked up to a website and i was like i forgot that was there but it was a big old typo, and it's like pointing the PDF where we're asking for money, and it was like that's pretty important actually. <laughs> yeah, let's let's look like we're not sleeping while let's we not, ask let's for not money. have misspelled words in the sentence where we're laying out rates and stuff. Yeah, that's always a good call. Kind of stupid. Um, yeah, but that's how I run my business. Stupid. Um, well, right. and that actually is probably the you know when we look through this list of eight things, I think when you're in an industry and you see a gap, and you're good at whatever that missing part is. I mean, that's how QCAT showed up. Yeah. So I think that's an excellent point where he talks about create products or services. And, and you know, the product side, I, I question a little bit. The service side, I think, can be really strong. I think so. Yeah. Well, that uh, was like an hour-long episode. Um, it was pretty good. It didn't feel like it. Um, I'm exhausted. Me too. I'm going to go drink another beer. I'm only going to be able to talk for like another 12 hours in a row. <laughs> so what beer are you drinking, my friend? I am drinking Kane and Ebel. It's a red rye ale from Two Brothers uh, in Wilmington, I believe. Oh, sorry. Oh, now I'm in trouble. Uh-oh. In Warrenville, Illinois. Oh. <laughs> I was going to make it from Indiana or something. I knew, it was from, I knew it was from outside of Chicago. But it is it is one of the best beers I've ever had. Wow. It really is. That's, yeah. No, it's – um. That's saying a lot, man. Yeah, and I'm not a red guy. Like I don't, I don't normally yeah, like not, not a red, red ale guy. eyes or whatever, but it's just, 
I don't know, man. It's it's just the right amount of of hoppiness, mm. but it's also a little bit of sweet. Like it's got this uh, wow. palm sugar kind of thing in it. Huh. It's good. As so, in as in Thai palms, not as in don't right. be naughty. Oh man, Jesus, Gene. Oof. Really, edit that out. Oof. I am embarrassed for you. Yeah. Since your naughtiness, you should be. Jeez. Wow. What are you drinking? I am drinking a can of Dale's Pale Ale. I love Dale's. In fact, let's see. You got that? Oh, nice. That was the, I'm having the third. Now, you know Deviant Dale's. Those are good, too. Yeah, but those you don't want to have more than two. <laughs> or you will become a Deviant. <laughs> yeah. Dale's Pale Ale is great, you, man. You, I you love s- the can design, too. It's just so simple, but yeah, it's just iconic. Whenever you said Deviant, it kind of like, the the connection kind of hung for a minute, and you were like, "Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of awesome. It's kind of awesome. Well, Sweet. sir, well, sir, we didn't get to the the last notes you wanted, um, but maybe nah. that, maybe that means we need to do another episode before the end of the year. Hey, you know what? I'm up for that. I, um, you know, my family doesn't care, and uh, <laughs> oh, I honestly, uh, yeah, I've already given up on heaven. So, all right, all right. Well, um, on that somber note. <laughs> have a Merry Christmas. Let me know. You have a Merry Christmas too. <laughs> and enjoy that family of yours. I will. You too, man. And uh, hey, everybody, I'll tell you what's a great gift idea for Christmas a bundle of 10 tickets to Converge SC. <laughs> That's a great It is the best present. of gifts. 50% off if you bundle 10. They are. Yes, I'll do that. No, I will they're do that not. right I'm now. I'm kidding. You yeah, do that, really? No, I would never do that. Damn it, I was gonna but, buy but it. But they but they are on sale. They are on sale right now. They're on sale. So check it out. Thank you for I'm that. A, I'm gonna try to get there, man. I'm gonna try to get there. I hope you can. All right. All right. Have a great one, everybody. Adios.